Lord, we just come to you. And Lord, we just recognize you for who you are. Lord, we're so grateful for those that are here today. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you, you speak to hearts. And, and Lord, you just challenge us in ways, Lord, that we can grow closer to you, know you more, because we know that when we do that, that our lives are better. And you, Lord, you make us better at life. So, Lord, just again, I pray, Lord, that you just do a great work here today. Uh, thank you for each one. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome, awesome. So we are starting a brand new series. So if you're here for the first time, you came at a perfect time. We are just introducing something that we call, and you've heard this phrase before, you've heard this term before, fake news. Anybody familiar with this, this phrase, fake news? And yeah, of course, and it's all in the media. It's all, you know, and really a lot, of, a lot to do with, you know, the politics, you know, going on around here. So, um, so we're taking that idea and we're using that phrase to say that some things that we may believe, some things that we may have heard someone say, a well-intended person, say something that God said, but that God never said. And so I wonder if there is some of us here, uh, probably a lot of us, that have heard something that someone says to you that they say, well, God said, God said... And I wonder if God never actually said that. And so we're going to be spending the next few weeks talking about that. Now, I know that that happens a lot in my household, maybe in your household. Um, my, my, my kids will say to my wife, Mom, Dad said that we can get ice cream after dinner. And then I'll say, no. I said that we can maybe get ice cream if you eat all of your dinner. Anybody else have that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like they, they hear what they want to hear, you know, and, and, and mom, mom, dad said that we can stay up late tonight. And I'll say, no, I said that you can stay up later on a non-school night. Anybody ever been there before? Like, on a non-school night, you didn't hear that, that part of it, you know? And mom, mom, this is common. Mom, mom, dad said that we can have more technology time. No, I said that if you get your homework done in time, then you can have some more technology. So oftentimes, I don't know for you what that is for you, but oftentimes we hear things that we want to hear and believe things that we want to believe. Now, setting aside religion, setting aside Christianity, there's reasons why we have faith or there's reasons why we believe, have belief, that there's two things, two things, the evidence presented, okay, so whenever it comes to anything else in life, so don't think about religion right now and don't think about Christianity right now, there's, there's one of the reasons why we have faith or one of the reasons why we have belief, which are sort of synonymous, right, believe, faith, trust, these are words that are synonymous with each other, okay, is because of the evidence presented, the evidence presented. So we believe something or we have faith in something because the evidence that is presented presents itself to be true, to be true. The second reason why we have faith or belief outside of religion or outside of Christianity is the confidence 
in a person, the confidence in a person. In other words, somebody that you trust and somebody that's well-intended, somebody that you love and they love you, they say things to you and therefore, without even really knowing the evidence or without even knowing the facts, you just assume that it's true and it may not be true. For, another, for example, this. I don't know if you know this or not, but I was told as a kid that when I'm chewing gum, you know, and, and maybe a teacher, probably for me as a teacher or, or a coach, when I'm chewing gum, they say, you know, and I'm like, you, you got to get rid of your gum. And they say, you know, we'll throw it away. And I'll say, I'll just swallow it. Anybody ever been there? I'll just swallow it. And then they say, no, 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 don't swallow your gum. Do you know that that stays in your system for seven to ten years? Have you ever, anybody ever hear that before? Anybody, like, don't, like, anybody ever tell your kids? You're like, I'm not going to raise my hand. This is a trick question. Like, I, I think I have. Like, don't swallow your gum. It's not good for you. It stays in your system. Do you know that that isn't true? It's not true. I don't know if some of you are like, I'm smarter than that. I know that that isn't true. That gum digests just like any, anything else, you know, gum digests, you know. Uh, maybe there's, this is another one that you've heard. And maybe as a parent, you just tr- are trying to eliminate, you know, this out of your kid's life. And so you're trying to scare them. You're using fear as a tactic to do that. But some will say that sugar is just as addictive as heroin. Anybody ever hear that before? Sugar is just as addictive as heroin. Not true. Not true. And you're like, oh, no, no more cookies. You know, sugar, it's addictive, you know. And I know there's some chemical things and brain things that happen, but it's not nearly at the same level as, as heroin. Now, how many of you ever said this to your kids? Do you need to wear a hat. You need to wear a hat. Because 90% of your body heat is released from your head. Anybody ever hear that before? Not True. It's not true. It's only about 7% of your body heat elimin- is eliminated or, mo- or remo- uh, it comes out of your head, just like the rest of the body. And so as a parent, you're like, you need to wear a hat. Wear your hat. You're going you know, to catch a cold. How many have heard this one before? Don't drop a penny from high, uh, from, uh, from high up because you could kill someone. Anybody ever hear these before? You, if you drop a penny too far down, you know, I remember one time we were, as a kid, I was in a hotel room, and we were thinking about doing this. We were thinking about dropping <laughs> pennies, and, and the chaperones and the parents that were around going, no, don't do that. You could kill somebody if you drop a penny from that far. Listen, you can't. You can't. So try it if you want. Um, I, don't, I don't know where to go from there other than... <laughs> other than if you want to try these things out, go for it. Swallow your gum. I don't care, you know. Now, this is, a, this is a big one. This is a big one in, 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 you know, growing up as a kid. This is a big one, right? You eat lunch, you come out of the lake or you come out of the pool, you eat lunch, and the parents say, all right, you got 30 minutes until you can go back in there and swim. Anybody ever happen to you? Like, you got, listen, kid, listen, young people, it's not true. You're totally fine. You're going to be okay. Like, like, I know it's probably a little bit harder to swim on a full stomach, but really, you know, your, your arms and your legs are all going to work the same. You're going to be fine. Like, these are the things that we learn or we have heard, and we're, we just, uh, you know, assume that are true because of the confidence we had in the person who told us. 
And I'm not here to call you out on the person that says, oh, man, I'm embarrassed. My kids are here, and I made them not swim for 30 minutes, and now the pastor's calling me out. That's not what I'm trying to do here. All I'm trying to do is to say that sometimes falsehoods take root. Sometimes falsehoods take root. And until we you know, are mature or get the evidence or the proper information, we just assume that something is true when it isn't. And that works in every area of our life, and it also works when it comes to our faith in God. And someone who we probably have confidence in, someone well-intended because they wanted to make you feel better, someone told you something that God said, or they told you something that simply isn't true. Well, how do these falsehoods take root? How do these things happen in us? So now we're going to get into some of the psychological stuff, and I'm, trying, I'm not going to try, I'm going to move fast through it so I'm not boring you to death, but how do these false notions take root? Well, there's a certain, um, certain biases that we have. The availability bias. The availability bias is the first thing. The mind's ability to recall recent or prominent information. These are biases that we have. So we have certain ideals. We have certain beliefs. We have faith in a certain thing. And then we try to support those beliefs, support those truths by some biases that we have. So availability biases is that what we have the ability to recall certain information. So let me give you an example of that. What do you think is more dangerous, a more dangerous job? Being a police officer or being a fisherman? Some, most of us would assume, I, know, I had two different answers, two different answers over here for the peanut gallery. We, some of us assume that it's a police officer. Why? Because that's what we hear about. And rightfully so. When we hear a police officer go down, that's on the news. It's projected on the media. It's, it's talked about. It's something that we, so it's, it's prominent information or it's most recent information. And so we assume things that aren't necessarily true because if you, you probably know, a fisherman's job, there's more deaths that happen from a fisherman than from a from a police officer. How many of you have ever are, are maybe afraid to fly? How many of you are afraid, afraid to fly? Nobody wants to admit it. Okay, all right. <laughs> Flying, like, not me. I'm tough, you know. I'm, maybe some of you are nervous about flying. Maybe you, you're flying somewhere and you're nervous about flying. And so I know that I've said it before, and maybe you've said it, or maybe you've heard somebody say it, and that was, did you know that you have a better or greater risk of a car accident driving to the airport than it is that for, you know, for the plane to crash? Have you ever heard that statement before? There's a greater risk for you to, that's true. There is a greater risk for you to get it. As a matter of fact, did you know, did you know, and, and, and it's, it's all because of Shark Week. I know this is the reason why it's all because of Shark Week. Information that's prominent, information that's put out there, and it's interesting to us. Did you know that there's a greater risk of you dying from airplane debris, from airplane parts, than it is from you, getting, from you dying from a shark attack? That's, that's the truth. That there's greater risk of you getting, you know, innocent bystander airplane debris falling from the sky. There's more deaths that happen that way statistically than there are people who get shark attacked. If I said that right. So these are 
availability bias. And the second one is this. The second one is this. Emotional bias. Drawing conclusions of things based on feelings and not facts. This is a big one. Emotional bias. We feel certain ways. We feel certain ways. We think, I feel down. I feel depressed. I feel upset. And therefore, we draw the conclusions that there might be something wrong with our job. We draw the conclusions there might be something wrong with our marriage. There might be something wrong with our kids or there might be something wrong with you know, our, our, our habits. We draw these conclusions based on how we feel. And psychiatrists and counselors will, will say this. This is not a pastor talk. This is not a you know, preacher talk. This is, psychiatrists will say, that our emotions and our feelings can oftentimes be irrational. You did, I didn't need to tell you that, did I? You're like, I'm married, I know. You know, and I, oftentimes we, say, we think, oh, there's some, I'm just not feeling good. I'm, I'm feeling down. I feel upset. I feel depressed. I feel sad. And then we try to position those feelings into something that there really isn't anything there. It's an emotional bias. Recently, I've heard on a number of different occasions, oh, we're going to have a terrible winter. There's so much snow coming. There's, there's, we're, have you, anybody heard this about this winter, that we're going to get a lot of snow? There's so much snow, it's, it's gonna, we're going to get dumped on. we got to prepare ourselves. You know, we're, you're already at Costco, you know, buying out all the water, you know, and all the toilet supplies, you know. And you're like, I just heard, and I'll say, well, where did you hear that from? The Farmer's Almanac said it. Now, I'm not here to bag on the Farmer's Almanac, but you know how accurate the Farmer's Almanac is? 37% correct. You know what I feel? I feel like I can be more accurate than the, the Farmer's Almanac. Like, I can feel like I can tell you, you were, I think we're going to have a light winter. I think we're not going to have a lot of snow. And I, the chances of me being right are higher than the Farmer's Almanac. We just have these emotional biases. We have availability bias. We have an emotional bias. And then, this is a big one, confirmation bias. Seeking out information that supports what we already believe. In other words, there's studies that come out that say that carbs are good for you. You should have carbs as long as you have them in moderation. It's good for your diet. You should eat carbs. Other stuff. Studies come out that say that carbs are not good for you, that you should cut all carbs out of your diet. Now, I'm a big fan of carbs. Guess what? I'm going to go to the people that say that carbs are okay. Right? I'm going to go to the people that already support what I believe, even though there's maybe evidence of the, of the contrary. Even with coffee, right? One time a study came out that coffee was good to you, good for you. Now and then another study comes out that coffee is bad for you. Where are you going to go? You're going to go to the study that says coffee is okay with me and it's okay with them, so therefore I'm going to drink my coffee. You go to the confirmation bias. That's why today the conservatives watch Fox News and the liberals watch CNN. I'm going to move on. These are confirmation biases. These are emotional biases. These are availability biases. We all have these. And we certainly have these when it comes to our faith 
in God. But I wonder, just like we believe that we shouldn't swim 30 minutes after we eat, just like we think that, you know, you can't drop a, a, a quarter from a high heights, you know. I wonder if we believe certain things about God that God never actually said. And I've got five weeks of them. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Did you know that this has been going on for the longest time? This is this idea of mis interpreting, misunderstanding God, you know, doing what they think that God wants. Did you know that people have lost their lives, that the church has looked foolish, that Christians have looked like a bunch of buffoons because they assume that God said something that God never actually said. Lives have been lost, literally. People have walked away from God. People have walked away from the church because they thought, they thought, based on some well-intended person, they thought that God said something that he never said. And it's been happening for the longest time. The Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, written by John, okay, and the gospel means good news, so, so John is writing this gospel, and he's writing this gospel, and John's gospel was different than Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, and Luke's gospel. J Matthew, Mark, and Luke's gospel were, were a lot about what Jesus did, but John's gospel is different in the, in the sense that he wanted to uh, show the reader about why Jesus did what he did. So the other gospels called the synoptic gospels. I know I'm super smart. I know, I know. That's why they pay, you pay me the big bucks, right, to know these things. Synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are different than John. John's is the why, the why behind it. And John, he, John makes this statement at the end of his book that he wrote. John makes this statement in John 21, verse 24. This is the disciple who is testifying these things. So he's John saying, I'm, I'm John and I'm, I'm testifying these things. I'm, he says, and wrote these things. So John says, I want you to know that I wrote this letter. I wrote this book, wrote these things. And we know that his testimony, John was talking about himself. In other words, John's saying, my testimony, what I saw, I walked with Jesus. I lived with Jesus. I heard Jesus talk. He says, what I saw, I want you to know that my testimony is true. He says, he says I, I want you to know that you can have confidence in me and what I'm telling you. Now, John didn't just say, I want you to assume, I want you to just assume that I know what I'm talking about and trust that. No, no, no. John's gospel was based on all the evidence that supports why you should believe that Jesus is the Messiah, why you should believe that Jesus is the Christ. John's gospel, he called them signs, but you can call them evidence, okay? You can call them, you know, whatever, like proof. But John's gospel was John's attempt to try to show his reader that what he was saying about Jesus and what he was writing about Jesus and who Jesus claimed to be was absolutely true. And John would say, you don't just have to have confidence in me. 
You don't just have to have confidence in me. He says, I'm going to give you evidence so that you can put your faith in Jesus. I'm going to show you why you should believe. I'm going to prove to you why you should have faith that Jesus is the Son of God. Don't just take me for my word. I'm going to write this book to show you that. So John does the two things that we do with everything else. Why we believe what we believe and the evidence to prove it. And the confidence in the person delivering it. You hear me? You with me? Okay. That's what John is doing. Now, John is addressing a, a rumor that was happening for, for you know, decades. John was addressing a rumor that was going around the church world for 50 to 60 years. John was, wanted to address this rumor. It's almost like if you read the Gospel of John, it's almost like he could have ended at a good spot and then he decided that he needed to sort of address this thing, this rumor that was going around in the church because he wanted to nip it in the bud. Now, just to give you a little bit of history, I know I'm, I, I'm trying not to bore you, so hopefully you're interested in this stuff. The history of John. John, this is one of the later written books, okay? Now, this is about 90 AD that John is writing this. John is an old man at this time. John is, at, is an old man. John was, was the only disciple to die of natural causes. The only one to die of natural causes. All of his other buddies, all of his other you know, companions in the ministry, all of them were dead. And they didn't die out of natural causes. They died out of martyrdom. They were killed for what they saw. Not, I don't want to confuse that. They, weren't, they didn't die for what they believed. They died for what they saw, and they saw a risen Jesus. That's important as a Christian. Hopefully you're making a mental note of that. They didn't, they didn't die for what they believed. People do that all the time. People do that all the time. No, no, no. They died for what they saw Jesus do. They saw him die. They saw him be buried, and they saw him after he resurrected and John said, that's the guy I'm putting my faith in. That's the guy I'm putting my trust in. If he can predict his own death and his own resurrection and actually pull it off, I'm going to write a book about it. That's what John did. So when John was an old man, he wrote the book of John. And what he wrote was interesting. Now, it wasn't like John, it wasn't like they didn't try to kill John. Traditions say that John spent a lot of time in Ephesus. John was leading the church in Ephesus. And John one day was, was confronted by his enemies. And just like all of his companions, guys like Paul, guys like Peter, his brother James, Jesus' brother James, and, and, and you, Andrew, and Bar, all, you can go on and on and on. He's, they, they arrested John, and they were, their attempt was to, to, to you know, kill John for what, for what he saw, what he believed. And so they put John, this is, this is historical tradition, okay? These are, these are found in, in other historical manuscripts. They, they took John, and they were going to place John in a, um, a basin of boiling oil. And so they arrested John, and that, as his punishment, they were going to place him in this boiling oil basin. And they put John in there, and somehow, miraculously, John survived. They dropped him in. 
he, he crawled, climbed out of the basin, and he lived it. You know what they decided to do after that? They decided, we can't kill this guy, apparently, so let's just exile him to an island called Patmos. If you're familiar with church history, you know that when John was exiled to the mines of Patmos, he spent a lot of his later life there cutting rocks. While he was there, John got a vision. John got a vision of Jesus, and that vision he also wrote down. And that vision of what he saw, he also you know, put it into a book. We know it as the book of Revelation. You know the book that none of us read? Because we're like, what is happening here? Like, what is going on? This is what John saw. Now, through John's life, eventually, because of his old age, John was released from the island of Patmos and sent back to Ephesus. And somewhere around 98, 99 AD, John died. This was, now this is important, this is important. This was a huge shock to the church. You say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought you said John was old. Yeah, I did. Yeah, John was old. They actually he was so old that it released him. He, they were no good. He was no good to the Roman Empire. And so they sent him back home and said, you just live out your few days, few years maybe that you have left. And you died home. And they, and they gave him that opportunity. But when John died, it was shocking. It was shocking. Let me tell you why. Let me show you why. Are you guys excited about this? This is amazing. I just... I love the word of God. You should read it. It's amazing. All right, here's what he says. We'll start in verse 18. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, so let me just give you context. Jesus has just restored Peter. He's just restored Peter. Remember, Peter denied Jesus three times, right? And then Jesus met him on a beach, had breakfast with him, and then restored him back to his apostleship, back to his ministry, so this is a conversation that Jesus is having with Peter, and John's making mental note of it so he can write it down later. Okay, you following me so far? Okay, good. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself, you used to get yourself ready, take care of yourself, in other words, and walk wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now, this doesn't sound very good, does it? Now, this is like Jesus having a final conversation with Peter before, you know, Jesus ascends into heaven. And Jesus is telling Peter, listen, you know when you were a kid, you know, like somebody used to, used to be able to go where you wanted to go and do what you wanted to do? He said, one day, when you get older, somebody will take you where you don't want to go. Somebody will gird you and somebody will stretch out your hands you know what Jesus was telling Peter? Jesus was telling Peter about how Peter was going to die. Jesus was telling Peter that Peter would die. And according to historical tradition, according to historical evidence, Peter was crucified. And here's what you know. Here's what you already know. Peter decided, I don't want to die the same death that my Lord died. He said, if you're going to crucify me, just crucify me upside down. Everybody hear that before? This is what Jesus is telling Peter. Now, what a conversation, right, to have with Jesus. Like, here's how you're going to die. This is what's going to happen. This is how you're going to work out. And so Peter responds in the same way that you would respond. Verse 19. 
Now this, he said, signifying which kind of death that he would glorify God. Remember, John's writing this down a number of years later. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, Peter, you follow me. In other words, Peter, I'm going to tell you how you're going to die, and you are going to die that way, and what I'm telling you is true. Peter, you still follow me. And you know what Peter did? He still followed Jesus, knowing that he would die, not for what he believed, but for what he saw. That's important. He says, I want you to follow me. And Peter thought to himself, if he died and he resurrected, maybe if I die, I'll also resurrect. That's good news, don't you think? By the way, that's not fake news. That's good news for everybody. You will also resurrect because that's what Jesus has done for us. So Peter said, whatever my lot is, Whatever my lot is, I will follow you. But Peter's still trying to process this, right? You're just hearing how you're going to die, and it's still going to take a little bit of processing, don't you think? So Peter says, look at at verse 20. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. Now, who's that? John. He's the one writing this book. He's talking about John. So John's following behind Peter and Jesus as Jesus is telling Peter how Peter is going to die. And he's following along and he's following the one who also leaned back. And John's like, I just want you to know it's me, you know, without saying my name, but this is me. On the bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So this is just John telling it's John. Look what he says. So Peter seeing him said to Jesus, Lord, what about him? Lord, um, I, okay, you're telling me I'm going to have my hands stretched out. Somebody's going to do that to me. I'm going to be crucified. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh, but what about John? What's going to happen to John? And look what Jesus' response is. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You, Peter, you Follow me. Now, 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 don't don't go any further. Don't go any further. Jesus is saying to Peter, listen, if I want him to remain, in other words, if I want him to stay alive until I come back again, that's none of your beeswax, Peter. That's none of your business. If I want him to, if I, if Jesus is like, I have the power, I have the authority to do that. If I want John to live forever, he'll live forever. Now look what happens. Therefore this saying, are you looking at this? Therefore this saying went out among the brethren that that, that that disciple would not die. That for decades, I don't know if Peter went back to the people at the church and thought, did you know what Jesus said? Well, first he said, I was gonna die. That kind of stinks. You know, I gotta be crucified. But you know what he said about John? He said, John is never going to die. Isn't that crazy? And so years and years and years went on, and guess what? Everybody else was dying, but not John. Everybody else was dying off, but not John. Even when John was put in a bowl of boiling oil, he still survived. What would you think? Maybe Jesus did say he's going to live forever. Wouldn't you? Maybe Jesus did say he's going to live If he survived that, but then, you know what happened? It happens to us. John started looking old. 
John wasn't Benjamin Button anything. John was aging just like you and I age. And they're, and they're looking at John and going, wait a minute. I thought that, I believed that, I thought that Jesus said that you weren't going to die. And, and John's going, um, I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm dying and I'm dying soon here. Look what he says in his gospel. Yet Jesus, do you see this? Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come. What is that to you? Jesus never said that John wouldn't die. All he said was, if I want him to stay alive, I have the ability and the power to do that. He was just talking about Peter. He wasn't referring to anything about John, but the whole Christian church believed that John would live forever. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but I have the, this Twinkie. I've had this Twinkie for, I don't know, a couple years now. I don't know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Twinkie. Like, I'm a huge, you guys a big fan? You guys like Twinkies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've had this Twinkie for a couple years now. I, I think I'm gonna eat it in front of you and see what happens. What do you think? Have you, now, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine because, you know, you know what they say, Twinkies never spoil, right? You, you know that. Like, there's so much preservatives in Twinkies that Twinkies, if there was a, you know, they say, if there was an apocalypse, that you could just live on Twinkies. You, you know this, right? Twinkies live forever, it's ridiculous, isn't it? No, even Twinkies have a shelf life. Even Twinkies do. I said I was two years old, so good luck in it with that. Listen, John is saying, I've got a shelf life here. I'm not going to live forever. Yet the whole Christian world for many, many years thought, that he was. You know what this is a classic case of? This is a classic case of the church of Christians believing that God said something that God never actually said. So maybe you've heard, oh boy, this is gonna get good. Maybe you've heard that God just only wants you to be happy. I don't know if God actually said that. Maybe some well-intended person said to you, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. And you're going, boy, it really feels like he's giving me more than I can handle. I don't know how much strength God thinks that I actually have, but maybe God is, isn't. And you know what happens to, to people? What happens to people is when some well-intended person, maybe it's you, it's probably been me on occasion, some well-intended person has told you something that God said, and then when God, or, or what they think, that when God doesn't deliver, you know what happens? They walk away from their faith, 
They walk away from God. They walk away from the church. They get angry at people like me, and they get angry at God because God, they thought that God said something that God never said. Oh, you know, some well-intended person said, you know, God only helps those who help themselves. I know they're giving you some tough love. Hey, you want to get help? You want God to help you? You need to help yourself. That is contrary to the gospel. So maybe that's good news for you to hear. But we have a God who has done all the work for us. I don't want to get ahead of myself and preach these sermons already. So I gotta, we gotta, we'll get to that in a few weeks. But I just want you to hear that there might be something that you have believed about God because someone confirmed it to you, someone that you had confidence in, and they may have been wrong. And you've walked away from God. You've walked away from the church. You've walked away from faith in Jesus. You've walked away from Christianity because God, in your mind, God didn't deliver. But I want to tell you to give the truth a chance and to hear out what God actually says about some things that you thought that God said he never said. So you might have some biases that you need to set aside over these next few weeks. You might have some ideas about theology and doctrine and God that you believe. But we're going to go to what I only know as authority. And it's not you that has authority and it's not me that has authority because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a failure. I'm, a, I'm fallible. I'm imperfect. So I don't have the authority. So we're going to only go to the thing that I know that has authority and that's the word of God. And we're going to let the word of God decide and determine what is true and what isn't true. Not my biases, not my background, not my ideals, not my, you know, routines, not what I was told. No, no, no. We're going to set all of that aside and we're going to let the word of God, the authority of the word of God speak on the behalf of God, because that's why God gave us the word, to speak on the behalf of God of what God wants to say, what he really has to say about things that you wonder, well, I'm not very happy. I thought God wanted me to be happy. Well, I'm overwhelmed. I thought that God wouldn't give me more than I can handle. And I'm trying to help myself, and I'm trying to get it in order, but I can't seem to get it right always. Oh, you know another one? You know, all beliefs will lead to God. All beliefs, whatever you believe, will get you to God. I don't think God, I know that God never said that. So I want to, not because I think that you should have confidence in me, I want to, not because you think that I'm credible. No, that's, that's not what I, but I want you to come back over the next few weeks. Come on, come on, come on. I want you to come back over the next few weeks. No long-term commitment, but if you're, if you're somebody that's like, you know, been disillusioned by Christianity, disillusioned by God, heard somebody give you, give you some advice about God and that just never seemed to work. Listen, I want you to, I want you to give me a chance to present to you the evidence to say this is what God 
has to say about this. Okay? How's that sound? Okay. Let's pray. And I want to invite you outside to have a meal. Because I figured if I can yell at you, I might as well feed you. I have to feed you too. I love you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for allowing maybe this opportunity to, for you to walk in this journey with us and to discover some things that you thought God said and he never said it. Let's pray. Father, oh, Lord, I'm looking forward to just diving into these things and looking to you to, as, for strength, looking to you to, with confidence to present the authority of your word and to give truth because it's truth that sets us free. It's truth that makes our lives better. It's truth that you came to be. You are the way and you are the truth and you are the life. God, I just pray, Lord, that we as a people set aside our biases and just allow you to speak into those biases and to speak into those falsehoods that we've allowed to take root in our life and in our faith and in our homes and in our marriages. God, I just pray, Lord, that you just allow that to, to be uprooted if necessary so that the truth of your word can be planted and produce far greater than anything else in our lives can produce. Thank you for your love and kindness. Thank you for your grace that you extend to us. Thank you for each one here today. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.